We're talking this summer about the bad habits that Jesus had. Not bad habits that Jesus was sinful, but that he didn't follow the social norms, the rules, the expectations. And he sometimes did things that bothered people. We've looked at how Jesus had close relationships with women, how he hung out with children. We're going to look at how he procrastinated and broke the rules and loved to party. But today we have a very unique one. We're going to talk about the bad habit that Jesus had of spitting. Now, spitting is gross. Even Deuteronomy 25 says spitting is seen as an expression of of contempt or insult. Job chapter 17, he says, He has made me a byword of the peoples, and I am one before whom men spit. When someone spits around you, it's gross. When someone spits at you, it's a serious sign of disrespect. The only exception seems to be baseball players, and I don't know why, but baseball players, it's like expected that they will spit. But the rest of us, if we spit, it's gross, and it gets this kind of visceral reaction, right? In fact, I gave serious thought to spitting, just spitting on the floor so you would react to it. And my wife told me no. So, but it's gross, right? Spitting. But you have to understand when we read the Bible that we have trained our eyes to gloss over things that might offend us or that we might think might be proper. If we wouldn't do it in here, of course, Jesus would never do it. But that's not the case. In fact, Jesus spit on three occasions, three miracles that Jesus used his spit in the miracle. So let's take a look at these three spitting stories. First, Mark chapter 7, if you want to follow along, Mark chapter 7, starting in verse 32. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his finger into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed sighed and said to him, Ephphathah, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. So in Mark 7, a man is brought before Jesus for healing. He's deaf and he has a speech impediment. By the way, those often go together. People who, have, uh, who can't hear, can't hear the way sounds are supposed to be made and they can't hear how their voice makes sounds. So very often they sound different. So he calls him privately over, puts his fingers in his ears, spits and touches his tongue. Now, The order here is a little bit confusing, and this is one of those places where the Bible, I think, could be a little more specific, right? Does he spit on the guy's tongue? Does he spit on his fingers and then touch his tongue? Does he spit on the ground and then touch his tongue and the spit's not really involved? Does he spit on his fingers also before putting his fingers in his ears? In which case, this would be the first and only miracle by Wet Willie. Remember Wet Willie's in school? Let's call it what it is. It's awkward, right? We read over the story, we glaze over it. It's awkward. Let's test this. How about I pick somebody in the crowd and I come out and I stick my fingers in your ears? How about I touch your tongue? We'll even leave the spitting part out. I'll just touch your tongue and put my fingers in your ears. Would that be cool? No, it's gross. And it was gross then too. Okay, it was inappropriate then too. It was awkward then too. But Jesus does this. 
And he says for his ears and his tongue to be open, or perhaps the the text actually could imply that as he looks up to heaven, he's asking heaven to be opened. But either way, suddenly the man can hear and he can speak normally. And the people are astonished, probably a little freaked out, and probably a little grossed out. In the very next chapter of Mark, Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 22, Jesus spits again. And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. Same basic story, right? Now we've got a blind man instead of a deaf man. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. So, let's play this one out like a movie. Some people bring another man to Jesus. This man is blind, and they ask him to touch him and heal him. This happens a lot with Jesus. So he leads the man out of the village, and he spits in his eyes. Again, I feel like the Bible left out some details, right? Okay, how does Jesus spit in his eyes? You ever wonder this? Okay, does he have to spit a bunch of times till he finally gets both eyes? Or is Jesus such a perfect human being that he's got perfect accuracy with his spit? Two, two, gotcha, and he heals the man. More likely, the man either kneels down or lays down and Jesus leans over him and drops a wad of spit into each of his eyes. Okay, is it gross? Yeah, don't just read over the story. It's he's spitting in the guy's eyes. He spits in his eyes, and he, he puts his hands on his eyes and, and uh, starts to heal him. But he says, what do you see? And the man says, well, I see people looking like trees walking around. How does the man, he's blind, how does he know what trees look like? Because he wasn't born blind. He wasn't born blind. He lost his sight. Maybe in those days, uh, something in his eyes, some kind of injury. Uh, a lot of things that you can get treatments for today would have been blinding even 100 years ago. Okay? So, but he used to be able to see. In fact, when Jesus does it a second time, his sight is restored, the text tells us. Still, the process is gross, right? The next person in line for a healing is second thinking, right? Like, eh, I'm not that bad, right? Can we have surgery or something? You don't have to spit on me. It's gross. If you want to understand the deeper meaning of this, both these spitting passages, they're both in Mark, they're both close together, they both actually start out the same way. They bring somebody to him to lay his hands on him, he leaves. They're connected, you see. And they're connected by a verse in the middle, right before this passage, in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 14. And Jesus cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Here's the good part. Ready? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear, and do you not remember? He looks at these people that are questioning him, not understanding what's going on. He says, hey, you got eyes, but you don't see. You you got ears, but you don't hear. 
And he says that right in between a story where he heals with spit a man who's deaf and he heals with spit a man who's blind. They don't perceive what's happening because the blind man and the deaf man are not the only blind and deaf people. They're missing it. They can't see what Jesus is doing. Jesus is not just trying to heal the blind man or heal the deaf man. He's trying to heal those who are spiritually blind and spiritually deaf. They can't perceive this new kingdom. Their hearts are hard to it because it is not the kingdom that they expect. And it does not work the way they want it to. Think about this. Why does Jesus have, why doesn't Jesus just speak to heal these people? Jesus heals that way in the Bible. Why does he even have to touch people? He doesn't even have to be present with them to heal them. Why does he spit on them? Why does he do these big physical miracles? Why does he only partially heal this blind man? He has enough power to do it the first time. Why does he have to put his hands on the man again? But Jesus, when he does healings, he's doing a few wonderfully difficult things. First of all, he's touching. He's caring. Touching a person shows care and acceptance. They teach this when you, when you get to work in nursing homes. That a lot of times people who are in nursing homes are not used to any kind of physical affection at all. They're just used to being touched like a thing to be handled in a nursing home. To shake someone's hand, touch them on the shoulder, is to accept them, to care for them, to give them self-worth and value. Furthermore, Jesus is pressing on the places that need to be healed. In those days, in the Jewish faith, those would be unclean areas. Okay? If something in the body doesn't work, it's unclean. So to touch those areas are unclean. But Jesus puts his hands right, and they don't know whether some of these things are diseases you can get or not. Whether Jesus might get deaf because he put his fingers in the ears of this man. They don't know a lot of the science behind that. So you kept away from a lot of those people. But Jesus doesn't. He goes right up to them and he touches them right in those places that need the healing. He's also breaking people's expectations of what is normal. He's not doing what they want him to do. He spits. He touches. He speaks with people you weren't supposed to speak to. And not everyone likes his methods. See, Jesus never just heals your wound. This is really important. Jesus never just heals the wound or the thing that's wrong. He always heals the wholeness of the person. He's always caring not just for what's wrong, not just that they're deaf, but that they're wounded, that they're somehow uh, harmed. He doesn't just heal the physical ailments. He, feel, he heals the soul. And he doesn't all just heal the soul. He also heals for the benefit of those that are witnessing to the healing. Jesus, whenever he heals, it's never one miracle. It's always multiple miracles. It's also always multiple layers of health that are coming. And he's like that with us too. Has Jesus ever spit in your face? Has he ever poked you right where you don't want to be poked? Right? Ouch, Jesus, I'm wounded there. That hurts. Ouch, I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to deal with that. But that's what Jesus does sometimes to us. He points And he pokes in painful ways to those places where we need healing, where we need to listen better, where we need to see and have a different perspective, where we need to watch where our tongue is. And it's messy. And we'd rather not Jesus be so personal and be in our space and mess with us. 
It's dirty. It's, it's, I don't want to mess with that area of my life, Jesus. Just leave it alone. In fact, that's often why we are so blind and deaf to God in our lives. Because God doesn't work the way we want Him to. He doesn't work the way we want Him to. I want Jesus to heal me now. I don't want to have to go to counseling. I don't want to have to go through surgery. I don't want to have to go through years of kind of dealing with this thing that happened in my childhood. And yet Jesus never wastes an opportunity to grow us, to teach us, and to draw close to us. Sometimes it gets a little too personal for us. and We like our distance. But that is not the Jesus of the Bible that does healings. On one other occasion, Jesus spit, this time in the Gospel of John, chapter 9, and starting in verse 1. And he passed by. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned that this man or his parents that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. He must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. This is a man that was born blind. The other man restores his sight is restored. This is a man has never seen, has no idea what he's even missing. He has never seen a day in his life. And for those people, there's this assumption that he must be cursed. Maybe he did something wrong. Of course, it was before he was born that way. I don't know what he would have done wrong. Maybe his parents did something wrong, and so the curse goes out to the next generation. But Jesus said it was neither him, neither him sinned, neither he sinned, nor his parents sinned. But this is so that God's power may be displayed. Now let's play this one out like a movie. You're the blind man. You've been told your whole life that you or your parents have sinned to make you blind. You've been judged. You've been fairly outcast. And you have lived your life asking the question that you and I have all asked. Why me? Why me? Why is this happening to me? You're blind. So when this man comes by, you can't see that it's Jesus. You don't know who it is. You just hear them talking. Maybe you're not even listening. Maybe you're just there with your cup, ready to beg, but you're not really paying attention to the conversations. Then someone spits in front of you. Fine. People have been spitting at me and in front of me my whole life. That's the way my life is. But let me ask you a question. Where is this story happening? It's in Israel, right? Is Israel a wet or a dry place? It's a dry place, okay? So, if you're going to make mud in Israel, how much spit do you need? Okay? Think about this. Think about this now. So, Jesus is like, poop, starts making mud. No, no, no. He's got to squat down. And he's got to, for 30 seconds or a minute, start spitting. Start bringing it up. Start spitting on the ground. Got to make enough mud. I'm sorry. It's, it's, you can argue with Jesus. It's his way of doing things. Okay? So, you got to spit enough. So, Imagine you're the blind man sitting there. This man doesn't just start spitting. starts really spitting a lot in front of you. you you're blind. You can't see what's going on. You just got to try to guess by the sounds of what's happening. 
Imagine you're the disciples and you're a rabbi that you want to be so proper, squats down, starts spitting a bunch on the ground in front of this blind guy. Hey, he's spitting. And he finally gets up enough mud to where at the end of this spitting spray, he can wipe it on this man's eyes. Now listen, they don't understand bacteria and they don't understand infection, but they do understand that you don't want to put spit and mud in your eye. Okay? This is a universal truth throughout history. You don't want spit and mud in your eye. Can you imagine? This man does not thank Jesus. Okay? And none of the other people that are sitting there want to be healed in this same way. But he, spr- he spreads the mud out on his eyes, tells him to go wash in the pool. This is amazing. The man comes back seeing. You understand, this man has never seen before. And we don't know exactly why. There's a couple of ways that you cannot see in your whole life. Neither, some people are actually born with no eyes. You can actually be born with no eyes, just eye sockets. Sometimes there's something structurally wrong with your eye, but that's kind of unlikely if it's both eyes. Really, probably either he has no eyes or he has something wrong with the neural connections between his brain and his eye. So for Jesus to heal this man, it's not just a quick fix. It's not just getting rid of a cataract, okay? Jesus is either building eyes or he's rebuilding neuropathways to the brain from the eyes. And amazingly, he does it. And the man is healed. If you continue the story, you'll find that the priests and the leaders, upon hearing about the healing, are really upset. But you know what they're upset about? Jesus worked on the Sabbath, okay? He worked, he healed somebody, and he made mud. Okay, you got two different workings there. He worked on the Sabbath. They can't even celebrate that this man who has never seen before can suddenly see. They're just mad because Jesus didn't do it on the day he was supposed to. That Jesus didn't do it in the way he was supposed to. And they, they miss the bigger symbolic meaning. Whenever you read the Gospel of John, you better know, John always has a symbolic meaning going on underneath. And this one, I really think, harkens back to and echoes Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Jesus gets down. And he spits and he forms out of the mud like a potter makes clay. And he either makes this guy new eyes or or he makes this guy new neural pathways. And he heals him. And maybe, maybe the spitting is part of the breath that's echoed in Genesis. But Jesus is so far out of their expectations, so against their norms and their rules, that they can't see the depth of this miracle. What is this miracle really saying? I'm the God that can make things out of the dust, that can bring healing through my words, through my breath, and yes, even through my spit. He lives on earth, healing, teaching, and even sometimes spitting on his way to save the world. And then in Matthew 26, we see that he himself is spit on. Then they spit in his face and struck him. And some slapped him, saying, Prophesy to us, you Christ. Who is it that struck you? And Jesus hangs on a cross where his mouth dries out. And he cries out, I thirst, because there's, there's no spit anymore. There's nothing but dryness in his mouth. But the story doesn't end there. He has risen from the dead to give us life. And now his spirit lives in us that we may bring more healing to this world.
And I cannot talk about spit in the Bible without going to one of my favorite verses to close. In Revelations 15, uh, 3, 15 and 16, it says, I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Okay? God feels the same way that we do about coffee, right? It's okay if it's hot. It's okay if it's cold. But if coffee's in the middle, it's gross, right? Same coffee. Hot is good. Cold is good. Lukewarm is gross. With Jesus, there are the same two options. You can be hot or you can be cold, but lukewarm is just disgusting. And the word there for spit is even grosser. Spit's the nice translation. It really means like to spew or to vomit, actually. Okay? It's to spit violently out. You're out of here. And God looks at each of us and says, listen, you've got to be hot or cold. There's no in-between And I'm fearful that the church has become way too lukewarm. Are you on fire? Jesus spits and he pokes and he applies mud to heal you because he loves you. But not just because he loves you, not just because he wants to heal you and make you whole, but he wants you to be on fire for this world that needs that same kind of healing. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you that you don't fit the norms. You don't fit the expectations. Lord, we confess that too often we don't like how you work. We don't like being patient. We don't like when you you poke around at us. We don't like when our healing is really messy. But thank you that you are such a personal God that you keep working in our lives that personally and that specifically. Light us up. Light us up. Let us be on fire for you that we may bring healing to the world around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.